This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. And now, from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is the CMO Spotlight. With insight from top executives on how to address the key challenges facing the business world and the marketing industry. Here are your hosts, Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Welcome to the CMO Spotlight. I'm Catherine Hayes. The CMO Spotlight airs the last Friday of every month at 9 a.m. Eastern and replaying during the week of the new month to bring you fresh firsthand insights into how today's top chief marketing officers are addressing these crazy challenges that are going on right now in our business and how they're really gearing up for the future. So We've got a, an interesting format, I think. So we start by talking a little bit about, about their backgrounds, um, how they got to where they are. So you have a sense of what their career journeys have been, because it's always interesting with marketers. Um, then we talk about how they're investing their time right now and really try to hone in on the kind of topics that you all who are interested in marketing can can uh, hear about. And then, and then we'll maybe talk about a couple of topics in particular that are kind of in the news right now and get their take on it. Um, so just a little background. I'm the co-author of Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touch Points, written with um, marketing professor Jerry Wind, uh, with input from over 200 academics and innovators from around the world. It's, it's, it's uh, a good read because it's a lot of people beyond just Jerry and me on Amazon. And, and I'm Jenny Rooney. I'm the editor of the CMO Network at Forbes. So great to be here with you, Catherine. Great to have you, Jenny. Um, so who who do you have lined up for us today? Yeah, so today we'll be welcoming Jeff Brooks. He's the CMO of Casper. And uh, Peter Georgie, he's the CMO of Celebrity Cruises, um, two really exciting companies um, and really fun brands. Um, and talk a little bit about what we're going to be discussing yeah, with so, these folks today, yeah, I Catherine. I thought what we'd, um, I don't know, we chatted a little bit about, but what, what we'd like to hone in on, if you think about Casper, which is mattresses and celebrity cruises, mm-hmm. these are, first of all, you sleep in both places. That's, <laughs> that's pretty obvious. But but it's also um, one of the topics that's really, really big right now is this notion of personalization mm-hmm. as well as experiences that people are investing more in experiences than things. Sure. Um, and both of these uh, marketers have that as their products. So. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to them about that. Um, Speaking of that, just a reminder that our show is is for marketers on all levels. Um, So whether you're just starting out in the marketing industry, you know, or you've made it all the way to the C-suite yourself, our goal is to share really practical tips and strategies that are useful for everybody. Um, So if you're a business owner trying to better develop your own marketing strategy, you'll undoubtedly get amazing insight from our expert guests. Um, because this is what they do. So we're really, really excited. And uh, Catherine, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, with that, let's go ahead and welcome our first guest. Um, we're very pleased to have with us uh, Jeff Brooks. He's the Chief Marketing Officer of Casper. And welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much. It's my uh, my pleasure to be here. And I, I will say, upon hearing who your other guest is, uh, as excited as I am to speak with you, um, maybe you could just patch me through to Peter because I bet he has a lot of mattress, a lot of bed frames on his bed. <laughs> you know that is, yeah, we yeah. do. We do like to do that. We kind like of to match bring people together. On this yeah, show, and, so. I mean, and the yeah. cut is really very reasonable in terms of you know <laughs> exactly. the deal. But you know that's just, that's I think everybody the new wins. Kind of affiliate marketing. <laughs> in fact, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I did want to ask you about that in a bit. But if you can just give us a, a quick background on Casper. Um, first about to for our listeners uh sure so i mean i uh 
So Casper is a company that uh, just turned four years old about wow. three months ago, which is kind of astonishing for anyone who, who knows it a little bit. Um, uh, but what started, um, you know, as, as, a, as a dream in five founders' heads about a little over five years ago um, to really disrupt an industry that was about 150 years old and, and hadn't changed uh, much at all in that time, uh, and started with one product skew, which was this idea that you could take a, a high-quality uh, mattress, uh, compress it, roll it up, put it in a box, uh, and have it delivered to your door within, uh, you know, uh, 48 hours. Um, uh, have a sort of joyful experience of taking it out of the box, slicing open the yeah, very delicately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the plastic, uh, it, it comes in and have it expand within a minute um, and be there ready to drop onto your platform or, or box spring. And, um, and, um, and what started as that, uh, fast forward a little over four years, is now quite um, a booming business with, you know, over 10 different product categories. Um, we ship to uh, almost 10 countries now. Wow. Um, we are no longer just a, a single-channel e-commerce uh, company. We are have a, a pretty uh, quickly growing fleet of owned and operated physical brick-and-mortar stores, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, partnerships on the wholesale side with other retailers, and are getting into a lot of exciting stuff. Um, so um, it's funny. I heard sort of your intro say talk about the crazy challenges facing marketers. Um, I will. We are we are in the throes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, on one hand, as the disruptor, right, of a, right. Of, a of an industry, but also now as um, the market leader of that, um, mm. you know, emerging pack of additional disruptors. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting position to be in when you. Um, and maybe we can talk about this in a little bit, but when you sort of have to keep your eye on the prize of, of sort of why you were created in the first place, right, to address this, the largest part of sort of the market and create big behavior change. But at the same time, I'm sure anyone who's been tracking this category yeah. has noticed that it's, um, oh, you know, I guess, you know, what is, what is it that, um, that imitation is the highest form of flattery? Sure. Um, but but um, we are uh, increasingly seeing competition on all fronts. And so it's uh, normally when you um, disrupt or create a category, I think you get a little bit more runway than Casper has had. Yeah, before everybody sort of jumps in. Right. Right? You know, it's so funny, though, Jeff, to hear you talk about it. And I mean, I just remember four years ago when it first came on the scene and it was so disruptive. Right. But I remember I'm sure there are plenty of people doing the same scratching their heads and saying, but why mattresses like of all categories to disrupt? You know, like why talk a little bit about that market and why that was so ripe for innovation? Uh, Happy to. I mean, I think it's, you know, what what, what you're scratching at is that. You know, I think while Casper, Casper absolutely started as a sort of, you know, to disrupt a, an old sort of, you know, antiquated process of, of mattress buying, the impetus behind it was not to create uh, a mattress company. It was to create a company um, that would really uh, make sleep more accessible uh, for, you know, mm. a large population and, and to champion um, sleep as a critical pillar of wellness. You know, and Purpose one of our founders concept. in particular... Uh, Neil Parikh, um, who's our uh, chief operating officer, has always felt very strongly that um, that while you know exercise and diet are sort of you know widely held as sort of 
critical to wellness and the things that increase our, you know, mortality, but also happiness and productivity and self-esteem and all those things. You know, there's there's as much data that sleep does uh, as much as those two other, um, you know, uh, areas. And so it was always... Um, while mattresses were our Trojan horse, a means if you to will. an end, yeah, you were leading um, yeah, with the purpose of, of exactly. sleep being and, vital and, to, and, to good health. And yeah. I, you know, I've, I've listened to several of your shows, and I've heard a number of my counterparts at other organizations talk about the power of purpose and sure. and, and 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 you know, um, clarity of, of mission, and and that's some of the work that we're you know, it's, it's definitely top of mind for us too, because one of the benefits of being so disruptive and and beloved so quickly by consumers is that you also get kind of, you know, attached to your core product offering. Mm. And, uh, and so, you know, part of my job, um, in addition to continuing to, to sell as many mattresses and other sort of bedding products and sleep products as I can, is to make sure that the market as a whole understands that all of those things are in service of something greater. So fascinating. And I mean, to your point about when you mentioned a minute ago about like now you're in this hyper competitive category, so many new entrants, right? In the four years since you since you launched, Um, you know, but you talk about opening retail stores and sort of expanding and offering new products. And, you know, like it's hard, right? It's the age old balance. How do you expand and scale while staying, you know, true to your core values in the original proposition and not get suddenly not become just another and maybe the way mattress to, seller, and right? Maybe to, uh, the way to ask about that is how over the past year or so have you expanded, and how have you thought about doing that in a way that's yeah, consistent? What's the strategy? <clears throat> sure, I'm right, and that 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 in a nutshell is one of the challenges that all CMOs face yeah. today, right? Especially those in retail, is you know you're 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 chasing growth, um, but at the same time, you know you you are. You know, I say that it's it, 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 it's hard to sort of you know beat the drum about sort of the future when three months is kind of the new long term. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and and a lot of organizations uh, you know obviously have um, earnings and, and targets to hit. Um, we are, I think, in a bit more of a luxury position because of how quickly we've been growing and, and because we're so private that it's always been the conviction of the founders to make sure that the thing that differentiated Casper from its first day of its existence uh, is something that we would um, never sacrifice um, um, uh, in service of just uh, growth on its own. And, and, and the reason I say that is because while we are expanding quickly, we have, you know, a number of, uh, of owned and operated stores and plan to aggressively expand those in the next, you know, uh, two to three years. Um, and we'll be entering some new markets, uh, new categories. Um, we always come back to, you know, a set of criteria that we have around, you know, is it is it uh, addressing an unmet consumer need or pain point? Is it furthering our mission to help cement sleep as a as a you know pillar of wellness and, and create more awareness globally that sleep truly wow. truly matters. Um, and is it something that's going to provide the customer with a delightful or differentiated experience? And I know some of those things maybe sound a bit cliched, especially given the number of interviews you guys do. But 
No, but the, you know they're the things that have made Casper successful. Right. Well, let's talk about you, Jeff, because obviously there's some there's some expertise behind those words. So talk a little <laughs> bit about you know you coming in. How long have you been CMO now? I am. Um, I will be six months official uh, next week. So let's talk about the strategy there. I mean, you have a very interesting background that you're bringing to bear in this role. So tell our listeners a little bit about you and sort of you know how you fit into that sort of overarching strategy for them. Oh gosh, uh, sure. So um, let's see. I mean, let me start by saying that you know you've heard of the seven-year itch. Um, <laughs> that's clearly for a different radio show. Um, uh, I guess I got the twenty-five-year itch, but um, I spent the the bulk of my career uh, doing marketing, but on the agency side mm-hmm. of the industry. Um, and I think about my career, Jenny, in kind of three chapters, if this maybe makes sense. Um, but the first was really cutting my teeth and learning traditional packaged goods, blue chip, consumer insight-driven brand building and marketing. Mm-hmm. So I spent the first eight to ten years of my career working heavily on brands within the P&G portfolio and Kraft Foods and some you know, IBM and American Express kind of stuff. Right. So really getting the discipline and rigor of, you know, brand building and marketing. Um, then in the late 90s, I just really, I mean, more by accident than design, if I'm honest, um, uh, got into the brave new world of e-commerce. And it wasn't because I had a, um, uh, a burning sensation that this was going to be <laughs> the next big thing for business. It's because I am a compulsive shopper. Mm-hmm. I also think it's one of the things that makes me <laughs> good at my job. <laughs> uh, but I'm fascinated by consumerism. Mm-hmm. And um, and I started to, you know, get into eBay and Amazon very, very early into their wow. days. In fact, when I when I introduced myself at Casper, they asked uh, me to tell sort of a story about me, not the professional Jeff, but the personal Jeff in, in five slides. And the first slide I had was a screen grab of my 100% positive feedback rating on eBay dating back 19 years. <laughs> nice. That's great. <laughs> nice. Um, I use that as, I guess, as, as a segue to say that the second chapter was all about digital. Mm-hmm. So I wound up doing a technology startup for about three years that the way I justify it now was a, um, you know, a year too late to get rich quickly and about two or three years too early to get rich properly. <laughs> but, it, um, but it was in, in, the, in the area of e-commerce and behavioral targeting and a lot of really interesting stuff. And then I found myself sort of with this brand building roots, a little bit of digital sheen on top. And the market just started to go, wow, that's, that's kind of the pedigree that we're looking for. Sure. And so I rode that digital train pretty hard and and I wound up running a bunch of agencies pure digital agencies as well as um, you know integrated agencies that were trying to um, you know bolster their digital credentials and future-proof their businesses Um, and then I guess the last third prior to Casper was kind of combining those two complementary and I guess coveted skill sets into leadership positions um, within the agency world. And so I was the CEO or president of a couple of agencies from Havas to Saatchi to a media shop called Assembly. And then most recently, um, an agency called Huge, which uh, hopefully you guys have heard of. It's a great company. It is a great company. I think it's 
still they still can claim fastest growing agency of the last decade. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was at huge that um, and that that's, this is sort of how the this this diatribe connects back to uh, to Casper. But that's where I met uh, the founders of Casper because Casper issued mm-hmm. an RFP for a creative pitch, mm-hmm. and. Um, um, I don't know, just fortuitously, it was one of those things where the day the RFP came in, I happened to be in the business development meeting, and I said, I'll take that one. Nice. Um, I had been a Casper customer early on, I I think in their first year. That was one of my other slides I showed. I yes, of I showed course. A picture of me, you know, but I think I was giving their customer service representative through email a hard time. So, you know, I've always been a pain. Um, demanding, um, demanding. But uh, but long story short, we we wound up winning the pitch, won the business, and and um, about uh, six months into our relationship, uh, it turned out that they were uh, uh, going to be looking for a new CMO, and um, and I asked, oh, and and, uh, and Philip, it's pretty funny. Uh, Philip sent me Philip Krim, our founder and CEO, sent me an email saying, "Don't suppose you want to throw your hat in the ring." And I think within three mm. hours of having received that email, he and I were having a drink at the Gramercy Hotel. Wow. It's a great story. Uh, it was not an opportunity that I was prepared to squander in any way, shape, or form because mm-hmm. I just saw it as something uh, so exciting. And so um, I feel very blessed to uh, to have uh, uh, won their confidence. And I think we both had, um, you know, a lot of times when you're recruiting, you even with reference checks and everything else, you, there's always still a little bit of a, a question mark. But because we um, had worked together and known each other right. for about six to nine months, um, I think both parties had a high degree of, of comfort um, and confidence in, in the relationship. I just got to ask real quick, single biggest, um, you know, skill or experience or, you know, moment in your career that you draw on now in your current role at Casper, you know, at a company like that, what of all that experience do you lean on most heavily? Oh, man. Um, can I give you a couple of answers? Of course. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think the, the reason that I wanted to kind of talk about my career in those kind of three chapters, um, I, it's important because when you think about what's expected of the CMO today, right? And, mm. um, I don't. Greg Welch from Spencer Stewart had a really interesting piece he put out last week about like, you know, m- more CEOs are searching for the super CMO and what mm-hmm. what constitutes the super CMO and and it is kind of this um, um, unicorn like. Uh, combination of truly understanding both the art and science right. um, of the business, sure. right? And and I'm very fortunate in that, uh, you know, I'm an incredibly, I'd like to think, uh, strategic and creatively driven marketer uh, who, you know, will fight to the death on um, preserving the integrity of purpose and brand and experience. But at the same time, you know, I've spent the equal parts of my career in performance channels in e-commerce in search in social in optimization in affiliate marketing uh in direct marketing and i and i think it's having the ability to kind of left brain right brain kind of toggle back and forth throughout the course of a day or a week and and kind of make those reconciliations and and build teams around that is super helpful and the reason i say that um 
long way of answering your question, and then I have a, one other thought, um, is that Casper's in a really interesting place, back to the question of how do you manage a brand in such a high-growth environment, right, with so much pressure. And, um, and it would be very challenging to do that um, if I wasn't able to, like, truly understand and prioritize decision-making in real time hmm. based on experience and gut on whether I thought in any given case, um, in this case, brand trumps performance, in this case, performance trumps brand, in this case, we need a new solution that brings them together more closely. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that, you know, we have um, ex- high expectations of our company in terms of the, the, the revenue that we're going to deliver and the growth rate that we're going to continue to meet. But at the same time, if we don't um, future-proof um, our brand and preserve the things that have made it so powerful, um, hitting those revenue targets is going to be harder and harder. And, and everyone in the organization fully embraces that, which is a which is a wonderful thing. I was going to just say that I think, and maybe you'll have a line of questioning around this in a bit, but, you know, it's not that common to see people who have spent so much time on the agency side make the transition sort of this late in their journey to the client side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and there have been one or two sort of, I think, challenges with that, but there have been way more things that I have found to be um, uh, super helpful and useful. Um, and one of them is that, you know, agencies are by nature highly collaborative and cross-functional, right? right. And I yeah. think if you, had to, if, if you had to characterize client organizations and with a very, you know, big, broad paintbrush, you might say that they're, you know, <laughs> a little bit more siloed. Not. Yeah. 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 And um and you know I'm sure you guys talk a lot about sort of the the trend or the or the emerging need for true cross functional sort of uh yes, we do. you know process. Yep. Um and having while while you need accountability and ownership, you also need like never before teams coming together in, in new ways, shapes, sizes. Totally. And I think and I think that you can't survive as an agency without that, yeah. uh, and especially running an agency where you are bringing creative and strategy and account mm-hmm. and design and finance and procurement and right all the other pieces of the business um, into play and, and creating kind of an environment of trust and collaboration. And I think that's been one of the things that um, for Casper that is just growing so fast um, uh, has um, and has you know historically been I would say more channel led as many organizations are. It's been really um, um, delightful and fun to kind of introduce some new uh, processes and philosophies into the organization that have pulled some groups together that hadn't previously um, I think felt the same sense of either ownership or skin in the game driving towards a common goal that they do now. So I don't know. I think that's one. Wow. One key thing. And another is just like on the service side of the business, the agency side, you know, we don't make differentiated products. Let's be honest. Like, you know, most agencies, like, you know, their their product is their people. Mm-hmm. And, and their people are the ones who ultimately come up with ideas that move business or change the world. And I think having that, um, hmm. that Value. grounding. Yeah. That grounding in a company like Casper that's growing so fast, that's bringing in new people, that's hiring like crazy, that's entering new markets, um, the focus and being able, you know, to partner with, you know, 
Elizabeth, who's our chief people officer, and a number of other people, just to make sure that we are constantly remembering that, you know, as a brand that truly has deep admiration and respect for customers and gets a lot of credit for that, that we have to make sure that we continue to apply the, the exact same criteria uh, and love to our staff as we continue to scale as fast as we have. And, and that's been really exciting. I love you saying that about, you know, the concept that it's, it's, not, com- it's not common to have, you know, eight pe- people who have made the leap from agencies um, to client side um, after such a length of time. And, and um, interestingly, Peter, our next guest is actually has an agency background as well. So we're going to be, be interesting in the show to hear kind of both of you talk about that particular perspective. But, Very um, cool. Uh, yeah. You know, I know we also wanted to get to this concept, Catherine, of personalization. And I'm really curious to see what Jeff has to say about that. So maybe you can talk a little bit about why we wanted to kind of touch on that and the experiential component. And the experiential. Yeah. So I know, um, yeah, time flies when, when we have such a wonderful guest. But, I, yeah, we did want to kind of get in, especially um, the trend for e-commerce companies, companies who are 100% online, going into the physical space and going into retail and uh, have, with the situation of, of so many retailers in crisis now and yeah. um, that we How read about maintain? them going every day. So, A, as I know that you've just been there for six months, but that sounds it to be not only something that you've done with with your place in New York City. Was it Dreamland or? Uh, Dreamery. Dreamery. Um, yeah. but, but But extending. So help us to understand a little bit about what your thinking is and what do you want to try to get out of going into brick and mortar? Happy to. Um, I think there's two parts to that answer. I mean, the first is that if you look at our industry right now, um, you know, e-commerce or direct-to-consumer purchases of, let's just leave it at mattress for now to make the math easy, um, represents somewhere between 10 and 15% of the market. Okay. So purely from a penetration standpoint, Right. The, the the prize is the other 85 mm-hmm. percent. And if you start to just think about it that way, it's not the numbers are compelling. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's not that we can't convert uh, over time a, a significant number of those uh, those people to shop and buy online. But, you know, p- part of the uh, expansion into brick and mortar, I would say, is, you know, as much about awareness and trust and credential building, you know, just to kind of make sure that people understand that this is a, you know, this is a, a brand that is not a startup anymore, that <laughs> that is a legitimate, you know, fast growing, highly awarded credentialed company. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of consumers, seeing stores and 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 um, um, and seeing um, a presence in their local community um, of the brand does a lot of heavy lift in ways that probably we all underestimate just in terms of awareness. I'm not even talking about transactions. Right. Um, but the other piece is that, you know, I, I, I like to say that, you know, no matter how effective our, our marketing campaigns may be or how truly awesome our products are, and they are, um, there will always be a population of consumers who will not drop $1,000 or $2,000 on a bed if they can't put their butt on it and lie down. Right. Yep. And so for us, you know, the the brick and mortar uh, strategy is also, you know, it's it's not like we 
decided one day that, ooh, omni-channel's a trend. We should probably do that. Like <laughs> Let's it, jump. It, it addresses a fundamental purchase I dynamic see. in our particular gotcha. industry. And so um, so one, it's, it's been fascinating. You know, I mean, a year ago, we, we didn't really have stores. We had one or two little kind of seasonal pop-ups. And, you know, now we have over 20. And that's separate from the Dreamery, which is more of a concept and experiential place where you can go in and have a, and book a nap. But, you know, adjacent to the Dreamery is our, is our flagship uh, store in Soho. Um, but the stores are even more productive than we thought they would be. Um, by you know any business metric that you would judge them oh, wow. on, and and what we're seeing is, and you had asked a question about how do you manage the expansion. Well, part of it is obviously to choose carefully on where we need to be mm-hmm. and which markets and where we see the highest potential, uh, you know, return and and how we don't bite off more than we can chew in terms of you know how fast we grow because right. yeah. the experience of Casper, like if you think about why Casper was created. It was to look at a category where the experience kind of sucked, right? Like the idea was that, right. and I'm glad that you don't have the CMO of Mattress for a Mattress. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the, 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 the idea of kind of having to walk into a clearinghouse of mattresses all over the place that are probably not the cleanest and commission salespeople kind of hovering over you, like it, it's, it's not a very pleasant way to make that's a pretty important decision, right? The one that you probably only make every five or 10 years. Right, right. Um, and so the, the, the same reason that we got into the sort of business of e-commerce as a way to disrupt some of that, we're trying to apply those same principles of experience design to our retail stores. So what do I mean by that? If you were to visit one of our retail stores, you would find it to be the antithesis of a sleepies or a mattress firm or a number of other you know stores that, that many of us have been to, it is peaceful. Our salespeople are non-commissioned; they're not even called salespeople; they're called uh, sleep specialists. Right. Um, you, um, we have private areas where you can try the beds for up to a certain amount of time, so that you don't have to feel that you're <laughs> sort of in plain view, public view, like under the lights and just right. Yeah. Um, Talking and, um, about and, how you sleep out loud next to your well, exactly, yeah. and you know, and and everything about it um, is intended to kind of just again both like have that respect for the customer and understand how they like to shop and what matters to them, but also bring in a little bit of the charm and whimsy that has made Casper so, you know, you know, um, beloved as a brand. So we have little what we call birdhouses or treehouses in each of the store, and each have. A little curtain and some fun things in the wall and little quirky things that you might. I, think not I just want to go hang and, out there. Right? Yeah, I mean it's funny actually. You can't book um, it because, in fact, I tried to to book it um, for to take a nap for forty five minutes <laughs> when I go to the city next. And you guys are at least for this other place. It's you guys are booked. Waiting list. Yeah, waiting list. Oh, well, you know, Catherine, I know it's a wonderful. guy. <laughs> Um, no, but, I love but that's it. the other thing, right? Like, I, I love the fact that yeah. we as a company are prepared to take those risks and do something like the yeah. dreamery, right? This yep. gets back to your question about mission. It's like, if we believe that a well-rested world is a better world and that people, you know, are happier and healthier and, and, and nicer, um, uh, you know, when they're, when they're well-rested, um, then why not experiment and build a destination that is all about um, napping, 
I'm ready and to go take a nap yeah. right now. Thank right? That, no, but seriously. And, no, and we have anecdotes from tons of different types of people, from whether it's someone who just has time to kill between work and a date or someone who's just taken a red mm-hmm. eye and has, you know, wants to rest before a meeting to people who have just been shopping and want to get off their feet. But I think that idea of, like, just normalizing the fact that it's okay to – to rest when you're tired is a big part of what, like, you know, we see as our larger contribution. And mm. so that's just, um, you know, that, that's, that's been a, it's been wonderful to see the support that that's had inside the organization. And then just a couple of weeks into launch, the demand for it. That's wonderful. With I think that, it sounds fantastic. Unfortunately, <laughs> with, I know poor Jenny's like, really? I'm just, her eyes are, 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 have are to starting to, now. no, it's wonderful. <laughs> and, and unfortunately with that, Jeff, we, we do have to, thank you, to Jeff. say thank you for being with us and for sharing both your own journey as well as that of Casper. So we, we hope to keep in touch and, and have you on the show again sometime. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful story and, and good luck um, with just six months under your belt. Sounds like it's, it's been a great ride so far. It really has, and I, it's been a, I can't believe how fast that went. I, I truly can't. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, thank you so much. But thank you, guys, and uh, best luck with the rest of the show. I look forward to seeing you both. Sounds great. Likewise. If you do want to follow um, Jeff, you can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Brooks uh, and the number one. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.